Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, we are uh, now in the full swing of things on the verge of March Madness. I thought it'd be a great time uh, to invite Zach Spears, who covers BC basketball uh, for Rivals.com and also is involved in the BC IMG radio broadcast on the road, uh, to invite him to the podcast and talk about BC basketball. It was a very good podcast. Uh, we talked about the schedule for BC, uh, what the future looks like. We also broke down each individual player and their strengths and weaknesses going into the end of this year and next year. So it was a very good podcast. Please check it out. So first, I'd like to remind everybody, though, if you are a BC football fan, you need to be part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to get more details. All right, first, we'll hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Lover Pizza, and then go right into the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and if you want to advertise on this podcast, joining Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Lover Pizza, just email lightscamerasportsads at gmail.com. That's Lights, Camera, Sports, ADS at gmail.com. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, we're back in the swing of things here. It's late February and March Madness right around the corner. I thought it'd be great to have Zach Spears on. He covers BC basketball, works as well with them. IMG does some work with Rivals.com, Yahoo. First of all, Zach, thanks so much for coming on here to talk some BC hoops. Yeah, man, it's a fun time of year and excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I wish it was under, of course, better situation off the tough loss from Miami recently. Uh, 14-point lead down the stretch. And uh, they lost that game. Just, I just want to get your just a big picture, your general thoughts of that game. Tough one, uh, but that BC does look to bounce back with Syracuse uh, this week. Yeah, good chance to win at home. It'd be a good time. Obviously, it's a good time to come home after a tough loss like that at Miami. And a general thoughts over the uh, loss in Coral Gables yesterday afternoon uh, on Saturday was, you know, BC was up 14, 15 points with just over five minutes left, and Kai Bowman fouled out. And BC seemed to really be in control of that basketball game for the first 35 minutes of it because they were able to control the pace. They were playing really good on offense, but controlling the pace, that was a big part of it, getting out, scoring in transition off of turnovers. And all that is predicated on Kai Bowman controlling the pace. And Kai Bowman fouls out right around that time when Miami starts to make the run. And BC can't control the pace anymore. And because this all goes back to the number one problem with the team this year, I believe, is 
the lack of depth, and that's all predicated off of the Teddy Hawkins injury. You put Teddy Hawkins back in this lineup uh, before he injured his knee in the Nebraska game. I think we're talking about a totally different season. Uh, this team has been hampered by not being able to finish games late uh, and not having enough numbers to play all season long throughout an ACC stretch. And, I mean, what do you expect playing in the greatest college basketball conference of all time? And you only got really five, six, maybe six guys that can go where if you put Teddy Hawkins back in this lineup, it's pushing everybody back down. You've got a really, really good young player in Steph Mitchell coming off the bench and providing awesome minutes, uh, really good defense and rebounding for you on the glass. And then J.C. Reyes isn't expected to play double-digit minutes nearly as much. You can really start to work Luka, Luka into the lineup and get him uh, lower minutes and more experience and build his confidence up that way. And the same with Vinny Baker uh, Jr. as well. And that all goes back to the Teddy Hawkins injury. And a long, sto- long story short, for the Miami game, I think that's what plays into this. This team doesn't have any depth, and that's fine, because that's the way it, it happened with the Nebraska injury. And rebuilds take time, especially rebuilding in a, a, the best college basketball conference on the planet, in the history of the planet, is going to take time. And they're still a player away from being an NCAA tournament team when Teddy went out to start the year. Uh, I figured that this team wouldn't be an NCAA tournament team, but credit to Coach Christian and his staff and the players. They've done a tremendous job this year in at least getting into the bubble talk midway through February, and that that seems to be all done now. But I think that would be the reason, if you were to point to something, yesterday's loss is because of the lack of depth. Kai Bowman going out, yes, absolutely. They should be able to close out a 14, 15-point win. But when you go back and rewatch the tape, they controlled the pace of that basketball game. Ty Bowman and Jerome and Jordan Chapman and Steph, they were all forcing turnovers, getting out on the run. And Ky Bowman was attacking and controlling the basketball for him. And, and that's what hampered him when Ky Bowman went out. They weren't able to control the pace. They played at Miami's pace of the game and weren't able to get to the rim and attack and protect the ball down the stretch. So BC does lose a tough one. I like just to quickly backtrack with and cover. I always like to learn about the guest uh, and Zach. You have an interesting story. Uh, you grew up in Texas. And you played, first of all, you played college football at Iowa State. Was football always your top sport over basketball? Yeah, so uh, interesting question. So I was born in Muncie, Indiana, which is the Hoosier State. I quick, My mom quickly remarried and we moved to Texas right after I was born. But all my family's up in Indiana. Uh, my grandpa played at Georgetown. He was the MVP of the NIT tournament back when it was the, the national tournament. He was Mr. Basketball uh, in the state of Indiana. Uh, and is in the Basketball Hall of Fame back in Indiana. And so I've always had basketball in my blood. Uh, and I've always loved basketball, and I didn't actually play football until I was a senior in high school. I thought I was a basketball player, but I only got to be about six seven in high school. And growing up, growing up in Texas, everybody played football, and I loved football and, and still love football, but basketball is what I thought I was. I thought I was a basketball player because it was in my blood. We walk around the hallways of my small school. I'm from a town of only 900 people, a small country town in, in East Texas called Arp. And I'm walking around the hallways there. I'm a big kid. And all the college recruiters, college football coach recruiters, are walking around the hallways recruiting my friends. They're like, man, who are you? Why don't, why don't I see you on film? I told them, I was like, well, I don't play football. I just play basketball. And they're like, well, everybody's 6'7 in basketball. Not many people are 6'7 in football and have basketball players. think you should give it a try. So I figured I, I, I should give it a try because I wasn't getting uh, big-time basketball looks like I thought I was going to at only six foot seven, two 290 pounds at the time. 
and ended up uh, Oklahoma State really liked me, and they thought I because I played at such a small school I should uh, get some more experience at a higher level. So they sent me to a junior college. I went there for a year and a half and was lucky to get a bunch of offers out of there and decided to go play with a good friend of mine from from my high school. He was playing at Iowa State at the time and went and played at Iowa State. Uh, and luckily got my college paid for, got some really good experience, met some really good people, and was able to do that. And then uh, during my breaks, uh, when first when I was at junior college, I, I first met Coach Christian and Coach Wazinski because I was connected to the uh, Trinity Valley basketball program. Uh, I had some friends on the team there and some friends on the staff, and I, I was playing football at Trinity Valley in my junior college. And Coach Christian and Coach Wazinski were coaching at Texas Christian. At the time, they were coming in recruiting. I'd just be around, and I met tons of basketball coaches at the time and just met Coach Wazinski and Coach Christian. And then eventually they took one of my friends out of Trinity Valley uh, that played there, and he ended up going to TCU. So whenever I would come home from uh, school at Iowa State on breaks, I would go up to Fort Worth just to work out or go watch basketball games to see my friend. And I struck up a relationship with Coach Wazinski and Coach Christian and then they went to Ohio. I started when I graduated. Started doing a little coverage of their team there. And then at Boston College, I thought it would be a really good fit to cover the team because I had connections to. Uh, I had met Coach Christian. I had met Coach Wazinski, and I knew some people on their staff. And started covering the team, and eventually started working for the team in a way by uh, working on the IMG broadcast and things. So very thankful to have uh, built up relationships with not only them but all the people that I have throughout my time in working in college basketball for almost ten years now. And then, I'm interested, what did you know about BC when you were at Iowa State? Probably not much at all, right, I would assume, when yeah, you were so playing? I had been out of Iowa State for a long time. I graduated from college in 2011, and I graduated, I moved home, and I got a sports talk radio show right away back uh, in Tyler, which is the, a town of about 100,000 people, where it's right, up, right outside of my tiny little town that I'm from, started hosting a sports talk radio show daily there over the lunch hours, and then had a Friday night television show covering high school football, which, as you can imagine, is a big deal. And so I did that for about two years and then got out of it because I wasn't making any money and got a real job. And I still have that real job today, and I got back into covering uh, sports when this Coach Christian staff took over at Boston College because I, I noticed when they took over there really wasn't that much of a, a presence on the beat. There, no one was really covering the recruiting that hard. No one was really covering uh, the team that hard. And I knew I had, some, I had some connections that if I could get in there and dedicate myself to it and find a way to cover the team, I could you know re- revamp my career, and I've been able to do that. And uh, very thankful for the opportunity that uh, – the people over at Eagle Action have given me to be able to take over the coverage and really handle the entire basketball side of things and covering the team. I've had an awesome time. I've spent have a place in Boston, right outside, right right off the reservoir there uh, in Cleveland Circle, and spent a lot of time up in Boston. And uh, been able. To, luckily, my real job has allowed me to split time between living in Dallas and in Boston. And thankful for my girlfriend as well, who has really made a sacrifice uh, to allow me to chase this dream and, and cover this basketball team uh, and do all the things that I, I need to do and able to chase this dream and all that. So what I knew about BC at the time wasn't much. I, I remember growing up watching um, I remember growing up watching Jared Dudley's team and I remember a little bit of Daniel Abrams back uh, a long time ago when I was really little because he was a big guy and I really liked watching him 
play, and I always remember he had really good hands, and he was physical, and he had great feet, and that's something that I wanted to be. And then uh, I watched a lot of Boston College football growing up because they are offensive linemen. You know, Mark Colombo, one of my favorite offensive linemen ever, plays for the Dallas Cowboys, right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. Now he's an assistant offensive line coach. He played at Boston College. So I'm very familiar with them on both sides of things. And then obviously when you walk up to BC for the first time, you get to see the Flutie Hail Mary statue and then go inside and get to see his actual Heisman Trophy. It's just a phenomenal place with a ton, with a ton of tradition. And obviously over the last four or five years being around the basketball program, I've got to learn a lot about the tradition of the basketball program. And that's been phenomenal as well. Yeah, that's interesting. That's cool f- to hear because I was involved with the you know the Dudley teams as a manager those years. So we were reaching to you, a kid in Texas growing up. That's that's yep. pretty cool to hear those Jared Dudley Craig Smith they were teams. Really talented teams and, and really fun to watch. We actually played Texas Tech in the NCAA tournament in '07. Uh, we beat them and lost to Georgetown the next next round. So a little bit of a Texas connection there. Yeah. Um, so let's Zach. Let's talk about now. Bring it back to this year. Uh, we talked about the game yesterday uh, against Miami. Like just to get your thoughts so far on the season. Obviously, sixteen and thirteen, six and ten this year. A big, big positive jump up from last year. Uh, just talk about how things are trending positively this year and the positives uh, as we go into. You know, hopefully, the team can make a little run here in March with the ACC tournament. Yeah. So there's a few things. I mean. Uh, first of all, I think the season has been – it's exceeded my expectations and should have exceeded anyone's wild expectations before the season even started. Talking about a basketball program that hasn't won 16 games since the 2012-2013 season. And they arguably lost their best, most experienced player in Teddy Hawkins to start the year eight games in. And they, they're sitting at 16 wins and have a really good chance to win the final two games of the season. Will they? I don't know. A home game against a beatable Syracuse team, who they beat at home last year. And then there are, they've already beaten Florida State this season. That's who they finished with. So uh, could they have more than 16 wins? Absolutely. And then the team has a one over 16 games since 2010-2011. The program has it. I mean, you're talking about a program that has a, you know, a story tradition overall, but over the last 10 years it's been a very, very low point for the program. And Coach Christian has had to work extremely hard to not only – overhaul this roster and fix things, but also try to change the the uh, mindset of the roster in the program and, and try to get a winning culture in there. And it's a really hard thing to do. I mean, it, it's so difficult at the ACC level. And it's hard anywhere, but especially at the ACC level, because once you get past your non-conference games, I mean, you're talking about you're playing the best teams and the best some of the best programs in college basketball history twice a week. I mean, it's really hard to win games. Six wins in the conference is, you know, a phenomenal job, especially when you're talking about you're losing Teddy Hawkins, a guy who was averaging, what, 13-9 and nine when he went out, was probably more along the lines of a 15-10 and 10 guy anyways. And think about if, he, if they have him on this roster throughout the whole entire season. You probably win the game yesterday. You more than likely win at Virginia. You already lost by one at Virginia, who's the number one team in the country. You probably beat Nebraska that day. And a few more games go here and there for you. And you are talking about probably a team that's not even on the bubble that is probably in the NCAA tournament. And that was the goal when the year started. That's why Teddy Hawkins is going to be such a big piece of this roster. But Jerome Robinson has done a really good job of taking the next step since Teddy Hawkins went out and becoming that all a first-team all-ACC caliber player. He will be my ACC player of the year vote uh, 
next Thursday when the ballot goes out to us, 30 voters, he will be my, my ACC player of the year uh, because I just think without him, this team is still at the bottom of the ACC right next to Pitt without him playing the way he has. And he has elevated this team from the doormat of the ACC to the right in the middle of it. And, you know, he has played phenomenal. phenomenal. And I think the season has gone a lot better than I thought and a lot better than I think a lot of people have. Now, if you're judging the season on a game-to-game basis, you're not going to feel the same because you and I are sitting here talking 24 hours after your heartbreaking loss to at Miami. It's hard to win on the road, and they blew that game, and they should have won. But if you're looking at it, the season as a whole, I mean, I think you have to be very pleased with how this is. They're going to finish with – you know, an above, uh, at least an above 500 record, 16 wins. We'll probably get to 17 or 18 wins. And I, I think if you're talking to anyone before the season starts and you say, hey, all right, this is where BC's going to be, but Teddy Hawkins only plays eight of those games. Are you going to be happy with 16, 17, 18 wins? I think every fan and, and everybody associated with the program would, be asked, would say absolutely, including a win over number one ranked undefeated Duke to start ACC play, and you have six, maybe seven, maybe eight ACC wins, I think everybody absolutely would take that. I think the program's trending in the right direction. Coach Christian and his staff are doing a tremendous job. And then you can look at the recruiting uh, the recruiting class they just signed, and I think uh, more help's on the way, and I think they've done a tremendous job on the recruiting trail this season, and the best is still yet to come. You got me thinking, Any? do you know anything you might not know about Teddy Hawkins? A chance he comes back, or is he gone from the program? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Yeah, I, I, I would hate to speculate on anything like that because there's so many hoops that people have to jump through just to get a six-year. And I, I know that process is still in the very early stages of it. I do know that everyone is on board with trying to make it happen. It's just such a tough, long process. But I hate to even get into it and speculate on it. But I do know that everyone is trying to make it happen. But it's very, very hard to get a six-year of eligibility. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Tim Abermitis, Notre Dame. I remember he, he was a family friend. He went through that. I remember that process. It was very, very difficult. He did get a six-year, but uh, it is a very difficult process to get approved. The odds are against you. Yep. But you never know. It could, it could happen. Um, Zach, why we got the last couple of minutes here? Like, just to bring up. Uh, a player on BC's roster. Just have you give a couple, you know, a minute, two or three tidbits about each player that I mentioned and what you think they need to improve on going into next year. Okay, Does that sound good. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let's start off. Kai Bowman, sophomore. Yeah, I would like to see Kai Bowman uh, chill out with the turnovers. Not turn it over as much and, and take care of the basketball. I think that would go a long way. Not that you know, uh, some of, some of the 
season, he's been really good taking care of the basketball. Other games, you look up at the stats, he's got seven, eight turnovers. So I think if he's able to take care of the basketball and, could, and able to do that and play at the pace that Coach Christian wants him to play at, I think he'd be able to take that next step as the point guard for the Eagles. All right, let's go change up a little bit. Freshman, Vin Baker Jr. I think Vin is going to be just fine if he's able to uh, stack some weight on that frame. Uh, and with that is obviously, as he's going to do that, he's going to be able to obviously get older. He's only 17 years old right now playing at the ACC. It's tough. There's only a certain amount of people that can play in the ACC anyway. It makes it even tougher when your frame is so light and you're only 17 years old. So with more maturity and more weight gain and more strength, I think Ben Baker is going to evolve into a very nice college basketball player. Another. How about Stefan Mitchell, number freshman forward? I think Steph uh, needs to fine-tune his offensive game a little bit, and I think Steph would be the first one to tell you that, including his free throws. If Steph is able to knock down free throws as much as he's able to – drive and he's so strong he can get to the rim uh he can up his scoring average a little bit but also knock down some jump shots we've seen that with in the past with coach christian's offense it really is so much better if he's got a four man who's a scoring threat when steph mitchell's knocking down shots this team is really tough to beat because you have to guard everybody when he's not they're able to sag off of him and help out uh on the penetrations from kai bowman and jerome robinson so i think uh chat i think Steph Mitchell able to fine-tune his jump shot a little bit and uh, get a little more smooth at the free throw line. I think he could really open up things not only for himself but also the rest of the roster. What about Jordan Chapman? Yeah, so Jordan is, I think, a very, very solid piece. And when he is knocking down jump shots consistently, a lot, a lot like Steph, it makes this team very difficult to defend. And if we are talking about something I would like to see improved upon him, it would be his consistent shooting. I mean, you're, I think, probably already one of the better shooters on the team. He just has been so out of rhythm over the last month. Uh, if they're able to get him back in the rhythm over this next week and into the ACC tournament, I think it makes BC a very dangerous team to play at the ACC tournament because of the three guard scoring punts that they have. Teams that can knock down shots and have really good guard play are tough to beat in March. Uh, well, about Nick Popovich, uh, forward, excuse me, sophomore forward, had a pretty good game yesterday in Miami. Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, I said what I what I would like to see out of Nick Popovich to have a solid year would be a, like 13 and 8, 13 and 7 and a half. And I think he's a little over 10 now after yesterday and like six or seven rebounds. So I think he's had a pretty solid year. It just hasn't been all that consistent. So some consistency out of him. And people always want to talk about, oh, he gets a shot blocked at the rim. Oh, he takes uh, bad jump shots. Well, he gets a shot blocked at the rim once or twice. A game but every big man does and he takes bad shots well he takes one or two bad shots out from three but he also knocks down some of them but i like to see him absolutely 100 eliminate all the bad shots out of them out of his game yes he can't yes i would and i think that he can and um will he do that i don't know because nick popovich is a true euro he believes that he has a good jump shot and at times we've seen it sometimes like yesterday felt like he couldn't miss and then other games he airballs it so, I mean, I don't know what to tell him. But if I am going to – if I'm Coach Christian, if I'm making the offseason plans, I'm telling Nick Popovich to be more consistent. How we could do that is is trust our post moves in, in the post and finish strong and, and eliminate all the bad shots. And what about Luca? the other side of it? I think Luca just needs to continue to develop. Luca's such a smart basketball player. His dad is one of the greatest European players of all time, played 22 years. 
So Luca understands the game better than anyone I, anyone at his age that I've been around, honestly, and has such tremendous respect for that, the history of basketball, the game of basketball, and where he plays uh, the history of BC basketball. And I think that Luca is such a cerebral player. He's going to continue to develop, not only because it, it's what's asked of him, but it's because he wants to do. He respects the game so much. He wants to play it the right way, and he wants to be a better basketball player. I think with more strength, Luca is going to continue to develop into a player who can finish around the rim. And with that, and with age and more maturity, he's going to get more confident in his game and be able to take more shots and finish more around the rim. And I think all that is going to develop into him being a really solid role player for Boston College in the future. Uh, John Carlos Reyes, redshirt sophomore. I mean, yeah, so I think JC coming into the season, I felt like he'd be one of the premier uh, rim protectors in, in the in the conference if given the opportunity. And at times he has shown that. I think he's regressed a little bit in that. But I have been impressed with his development on the offensive side of the basketball with the way he's able to finish with the soft touch around the rim and his footwork. It's so much better than it was 12 months ago and light years ahead of what it was when he got here. I think if he packs on a few more pounds, he gets a little bit more stronger, and he's going to be so much more confident with those things, plus with the success he had at the end of last year and throughout this season. I think that he can continue to be a really nice piece off the bench for BC on a team that needs a, a really good big man off the bench for him. Someone a little bit of unknown freshman Avery Wilson. Yeah, Avery. I always I always tell Avery when I see him, he's playing the wrong sport because he looks like he could be a Division One safety. I mean, if, if yeah. you've seen him in person, he's a big, big, strong, cut up guy, athletic, quick, and, and explosive. And I think Avery got in and he was injured all summer, so he didn't get to do all the workouts. He didn't get to play on the foreign trip to the Bahamas. He didn't get to work out. He didn't get to do any skill development. So he's still, I feel like, seven or eight months behind everyone else in his own class. So I think the offseason and everything is going to do really good for him. And so if I were to say something he needs to improve upon, it would be let's sit here and see him go through a full offseason healthy of weight, of skill development and training while he's healthy, and see where he is to start the season next year. Then we'll have a really good idea of where he is and what he needs to improve upon. Because I don't feel like it's a real fair basis. Uh, of where he's at with his skill development because he's so far behind everyone else from having to sit out most of the summer with an injury. And then last but not certainly least, Jerome Robinson. Well, I mean, Jerome, I think he's taken that full step uh, of what we want to see. Each year it's been great to watch Jerome because when he got in, really BC only had to beat, what, Richmond and Radford for him and William and Mary. He gets in, and as soon as he steps on campus, I start hearing from people saying, this, this kid's a real deal. He's going to be good. You know, in his first year, he averaged 11 points a game. He had the wrist injury. Uh, and Jerome would be the first person to tell you he needed to get stronger. He needed to get, uh, he needed to get stronger and needed to add more weight. He did those things. And Jerome is one of the best mid-range games I've ever seen. And after his freshman year, he told you, I need to get, I need to get a little bit more stronger to get through him. He did those things. After this past season he said i need to develop my full my full range of shooting so i need to be able to shoot from three point and beyond not just be lethal at the rim and uh from the mid-range and he has absolutely 100 percent done that uh and has evolved into one of the best players of the acc so if i'm going to tell jerome something get a little bit more stronger and continue to develop his leadership qualities i mean jerome has an awesome ability to connect with guys in the locker room in the camp um, the hallways of the campus but also on the floor because of the way he plays and the way he can dominate a basketball game. 
and continue to develop that because if he is back next year, this team can really, really be a dangerous basketball team with what Coach Christian and the staff have signed coming in and been able to develop over this season and the last three seasons with Jerome's class, with Jerome, and then that, the sophomore class with Nick Popovich in it, and then all these guys on the floor right now. So I think if Jerome comes back next year and his leadership qualities – along with Kai Bowman, this team could be a very good basketball team next year. And then one of the top questions I always get from BC fans, is Jerome going to come back? And the honest answer, I think you would agree, is we really just don't know. He's going to explore and see what happens, but uh, we don't know quite yet what this future will hold for him. Yeah, and Jerome has the uh, awesome advantage right now of what the NBA and NCAA allows players to do is everyone can declare for the NBA draft and work out for a certain amount of days, Talk to all the people they need to know to get a very fair evaluation and a full evaluation to see, hey, where am I going to be taken? What's my outlook look like? Okay, if I don't leave and I go back to school, what's it going to look like for me if uh, I go back to school and come out then? And I think Jerome Robinson will take advantage of that. And so whenever that happens, if it does happen that Jerome Robinson declares for the draft, people need not freak out because that would still be a long, long way from him actually declaring for the draft and hiring an agent. Uh, and I think every player that is in the that is even thinking about playing NBA and, and had a good year should do that because it's an awesome advantage uh, that you should take advantage of because you are talking about what you want to do for the rest of your life and your dream and something you've always worked for and trying to go play professional basketball. And if someone's giving you the opportunity to knock on that door and ask the questions of the people who are going to make those decisions of, hey, if I declare, will you draft me? If I do declare, where would you draft me? What do I need to work on? Am I good enough yet? All those things. Everyone should take full advantage of that, and I don't see why Jerome Rob, a guy like Jerome Robinson, who's had a tremendous season in the best college basketball conference in the world, wouldn't take advantage of that. But like you said, I think it's still up in the air would he, if he's actually going to fully leave or not because that's all going to be based upon those workouts and those conversations with those people uh, in the NBA that have that knowledge and that power to tell them, nope, this wouldn't be something we do this year, or yes, absolutely, this would be something that we would do this year in taking you. So I think that part's still in the air, but if he does declare to go through the pre-draft process, I don't think anyone would blame him, and I do think it would be the smart move. Last couple questions here, Zach. We're entering now the final week of the regular season. Uh, Syracuse, Florida State on the road. Syracuse at home, Florida State on the road, then the AC tournament. Just give us a take. You're close to the staff. What's the mindset of the team? Uh, and what do they have to do to make a run in the AC tournament and maybe qualify for NIT bid? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously qualifying for NIT bid, you would probably want to win, just to be safe, you'd like to win both of these games coming up. And they're both very winnable. Really hard to win in Tallahassee, but you have beaten Florida State already this season. Uh, the first thing is first, obviously, you got to handle Syracuse at home, but they did that last year. BC shoots it really well at home, and, and they played really well at home this season. So I uh, need to handle both those games. But I think the mindset inside the locker room and inside of the basketball facility is it's upbeat, it's positive. They, they really believe in what they're doing, and they really love everybody. Every, all the team loves everybody's own team. It's a big family. It's a big brotherhood. And everyone's completely 100% wholeheartedly bought into what Coach Christian and the staff are doing there and the system that they have in place. And it's hard and it's hard not to believe that when you watch the play. They play so hard. This team plays so hard. They're never out of it. You know, they have the, the nickname in the uh, BC media beat of the Cardiac Kids because they could be down 15 points in the final two minutes and make a run. 
and make a run and put a scare in the team or even come back and win some games as we've seen like that. So this team plays really hard, and I think everyone's super positive about the season and really excited about the ability to have two very winnable games uh, on their plate to finish this thing and then getting the chance to go to the ACC tournament when the lights come on uh, very, very bright at Barclays Center, getting to be in the big city and with the biggest, biggest stage on you at the ACC tournament and try to rattle off some wins there. Well, Zach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, like you said, hopefully BC can make a little run here down the stretch and kind of cap off a very impressive back, uh, bounce-back season uh, for the Eagles under head coach Jim Christian. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me. Great. Awesome. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Well, thanks so much for Zach Spears joining us here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. Like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up uh, for the BC Football Gridiron Club and uh, get all details on that website. So we'll see you again next week, everybody. As always, thank you so much for listening. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.